Episode 137, Jessica Jones, Season 1, Episode 7, Top Shelf Perverts. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, hello, hello again to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I would like to welcome you to this episode, and I will welcome you by saying welcome. My name is Ben. Ben Avery. I'm a comic book fan and a comic book collector and a comic book writer, and I love Marvel Comics and all those things that it has inspired, including Jessica Jones, which is what we're talking about today. And when I say we, I mean me, I mean you, dear listener, and I mean the man sitting here to my left. And Daniel to the, Butcher? To the west and north. Northwest of me. Yes, that's where it is. Hey, dude, dude, dude. Don't be giving my location to Hydra. It's too late. They already know. And it doesn't matter. Because they're pretty inept. So, I'm just saying the Radio Shack down the street closed. My Radio Shack is still, still selling little bits and pieces of electronic equipment. Ben, it's that time of year when performance evaluations come out, and clearly one of your measurements, you are not meeting expectations. Why do you say that, Daniel? You have not closed the area hydro office. I do not plan to because every once in a while I need to purchase items from them. And they match up the item. You bring in the thing that you are working with, they will take a look, and they will find the piece that matches, and then they will sell you the item you need and not the one you think you need, like when you order from Amazon, where they you know, send it to you because you ordered it, but it might not be the right thing. That sounds like a Ben problem. It's not a Ben problem. It's a technology problem. And frankly, sometimes Radio Shack just solves that technology problem. I know ben, I'm supporting Hydra when I've I do so. I've got some notes real quick that we need to discuss. Did you say notes or did you say news? Because I got notes. the sound. Okay. Notes. Okay. So one of my close family friends part of my tribe one might say listen to an episode of welcome to level seven one of our jessica jones episodes recently Uh oh. and she gave us some notes i'd just like to start by saying hello friend just in case she's listening again she had no idea who jessica jones was so apparently she's not listening to or watching netflix but she did have a, a big concern that we need to address so this is not a, a feedback concern. This is something you're bringing up, well, up front here at the beginning. I'm going to bring it up front at the beginning because uh, we need to be aware of this okay. as we go forward. I, I think we might get some more notes and feedback later, including that desire to have that Men of the Marvel Cinematic Universe episode. But apparently we refer to ourselves a lot as geeks uh-huh. and we are in fact nerds. I don't think we are. I don't think we are nerds. I think nerds are people who are well-informed and skilled. And geeks are people who are passionate and... and So you can be both. But so like, we're geekly nerds. So like your you're nerds... Well, there's that whole skilled thing, though. We're really not skilled, are we? Uh, your nerds are people who are skilled in you know things like technology and, and that kind of thing. Whereas your geek... Is someone, and this is my understanding. I could be way off, uh, but I also think, because I've had this conversation with someone who clearly is on that skilled technological side. He 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 works in in the tech department at at my church. He does not consider himself a nerd. He considers himself a geek, whereas he considers me a nerd because I'm into things that I'm passionate about. So. He's not your your friend is not the first person to have brought up this discrepancy in my my terminology. I'm just saying she calls this the nerd cast. Okay. Are you guys gonna do? <laughs> She's called it that for like a year. So thank you, friend, for finally listening to the nerd cast. I will also throw out there that somewhat I do think nerd and geek is interchangeable, um, especially as you go further back in time. Back in the '90s. When we were young, 
and we like Star Trek. Not that I don't, but I'm saying in the 90s when I was young and like Star Trek. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, when I was a child, I liked childish things. They called me a geek and a nerd. And I think both end up being correct today. It's just today those terms aren't as negative. Geek, well, that's nerd, we now it's acceptable. World. It's acceptable. Yeah, we world now. Um, not 100% acceptable. I do believe there are people who look down on my podcasts as... <laughs> Uh, trivial and childish, and there may be some truth to some of that, but it's fun, and we get some interesting discussions about who could beat up who, and then we get into discussions like last episode of Jessica Jones, not the last episode of Welcome Level 7, but where we were talking about some pretty heavy stuff. So, And this one, there's some heavy stuff, but it's not the same kind of heavy. I'm just going to throw that out there, but... Dear listener, you who is listening to us in your car, in your earbuds as you sit on the couch, as you snuggle up next to that special someone in the love seat by the fire, getting ready to have a picnic on your living room floor, maybe. Got some cheese, some Diet Coke, I don't know. Tell us what you think about are we geeks or are we nerds? What's the difference? Let us know. And we'll we'll sort this out in listener feedback some other time. How's that sound? Works for me. Okay, works for me too. Uh, so for that, I think we just need to move into our pre- preliminary... Oh my goodness. I'm only going to say it once. Preliminary investigation. Shall we do so? Are you with me? Let's do it. Can you say it again? No but I will allow the nice computer lady to say it. Preliminary investigation. So Daniel, do you think that the computer lady who does our transitional sounders, do you think she is a geek or a nerd? I think she's a nerd. She seems skilled. She is. She is very skilled. She's very skilled at announcing things when I press the button. Let's put it that way. So... All right. Well, this is the point in time in the episode when we do a Netflix series where we will play our feedback from ourselves after we first watch the episode. And so I have... How do I have three here? Uh, I've got one from you, one from me, one from you. Okay. There are no rules. (laughs) Well, there are some. I know for some episodes I called in twice. Oh, let's see what happens. Oh, man, I am tense. That sounds about This partition of the United States of America has to end. I really do think that Nazi Germany will drop a bomb on Imperial Japan. They've done it before. They destroyed Washington, D.C. I think they'll do it again. I am tense. And how about that turn at the end? What? So you you told me to call in. I am. Okay, is this another one where you're calling in about something? That's man in the high tower in the high castle. (laughs) Yeah, really good. It's on it's on Amazon, not Netflix. Oh come on! I watched the Jessica Jones today. Give me that! Give me that! All right, peace out later, bye. Yeah, Yeah. so that's one of those where you were watching someone else or something else and decided to call in and make make the point that you were watching something other than Jessica Jones is that you weren't you really weren't specific with your directions i'm pretty sure i said after you watch a Je- okay we're we're just going to play your real one here we go so i think at a time like this all that can truly be said in the best spirit of disney is do you want to hide a body i'm not sure if it's a body anymore after the things that have been done to it going to be honest Super creeped out watching Kilgrave walk around the room. Super creeped out. Then super shocked to see Reuben die. I I didn't expect to feel as emotional about the death of Reuben as I did and feel so sad for his really mean sister. But wow. You know, there's no going to the zoo this weekend. None. Well, Kilgrave, I think I've hit, maybe we've hinted at this before, a true romantic. Um, 
apparently he's not into flowers and jewelry. He's into diaries. He's in love with Jessica. And I think because of that, we're looking at a situation where he doesn't want to compel her. Uh, he truly wants her to use free will to make a choice to be with him. Now, sadly for him, he's creepy pants, so that's going to be hard for her to choose. But I think that is truly what he wants. He wants uh, her to choo -choo choose him. A little more background on Trish and her history. Abusive mom. Sad. Sad. Hey, Simpson. I understand that you are apparently a, a, a lover, not a fighter. But, dude, you probably shouldn't keep secrets from your girlfriend like, hey, I'm looking at the creepy guy. Just saying. And what does he even think of the end? Does he think that Jessica Cho 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 is Kilgrave? I mean, what's going on there? I don't know. Well, another good episode. Another solid contribution in the Jessica Jones universe. Oh, my complaint! My complaint! Why, when she's climbing to the top of the bridge to look at the city of New York, why are they playing the Daredevil theme song? And why are they increasing the tempo? It's like, are they hinting, foreshadowing at a meeting that's going to occur? Because I know she's going to need a lawyer later for her stupid plan before Kilgrave heroes it all and hits reset. But, really, seriously, why are we playing the Daredevil theme song? Find something else in the catalog. That's an actual complaint. Peace out later, bye. I don't think it was. Um, I'm pretty sure it is. Like, I went back and listened to an opening episode of Daredevil just to confirm whether or not I sound, thought it was it, and it's pretty close. Uh, maybe they're, they're taking it as the theme song for Hell's Kitchen or the city. That is the only rationale I can give, but it is the theme song for Daredevil. I don't... Okay, well, I... I okay, you pause, go go find an episode of Daredevil and listen to it. Well, I'd have to listen to listen the scene, to the opening. We, we don't have time for this. I'm, I'm just going to say I don't think... But I heard it again today when I was prepping for this episode. You were looking for it. I wasn't. So I'll, I'll give you that. Um, okay. So uh, Crazy Pants. I think that when we rate this episode, we are rating it how many Crazy Pants out of five at the end of this episode. Because, <laughs> yeah, Crazy Pants. I like it. It's a pretty apt description. Uh, you ready to hear from Past Me? I can't wait to hear what Past Me has to say this time what do you think let's go hey daniel hey how's it going uh it's me ben ben from the past um the one the one that you like daniel and uh yeah i have to say that the last few episodes daniel has been so insightful and awesome and and pretty much just making this podcast worth listening to um yeah, I mean, you're you're the reason I watched Daredevil, and and you know I, I just watch that stuff. Uh, the Shield, Agent Carter, so I can listen to your podcast, Daniel. You're great, wonderful. Podcast is awesome. Um, so yeah, here I am, and I got two things I wanted to mention with this episode. I just watched the seventh episode, and uh, I think it's called Top Shelf Perverts. That's what it's called. And you know, I had to think a little bit about what I was going to say before I called, because this is a thinking episode. And I'm still on that whole, it's a 13-hour movie, and even our subplots are going along with that. They, they began in the first episode, or the second episode, and they've just been continuing on through. Um, and all of the things that have been happening, except for that one little alien invasion uh, to people who hate uh, super gated people, um, have, have really tied into it. Um, for this episode uh two things i really wanted to to mention and, and one was uh the acting um the acting is uh, especially for david tennant in this episode was amazing uh that's what really stuck out to me i still am not compelled by his character but i am bothered by it i am worried about it i am concerned about what he can do what he will do and the other thing that goes along with what he's doing there with his character is the theme stuff that's going on, uh, especially this idea of um, uh, abuse and manipulation. And uh, it's everywhere. It's everywhere in the show. And it's, it's all over the place. It has been 
really for a long time, but it really is a big, big part of what we're watching. And that's part of what makes Jessica Jones different. Makes it more difficult, honestly. Uh, Daredevil is something I'll go back and rewatch. I'm not sure how often I want to go back and rewatch Jessica Jones. Obviously, I'll, future Ben will be rewatching. But, um, yeah, but he'll be doing it for the show. So, yeah, uh, nice, good, good job with the acting. Again, that 13 hour movie idea and then that theme. And nice flip flop at the beginning with Malcolm helping, helping Jessica. So, yeah, Daniel, thanks for putting out such a great podcast. And, uh, you keep making them. I'll keep listening. <laughs> What do you want? I, I, I don't know. You've been extremely nice to me lately. That was awkward nice, though. <laughs> Why? Yeah, like, uh, creepy, I, like you're stalking me, but not, I understand. Have you seen me? I, I feel like... I'm handsome. He's trying to play against me by playing up you. Like, he's... I don't know. I can't blame him for that, either. Okay, well... Past Ben's kind of an idiot sometimes. So, although there was some good insight there with with the episode, and we're gonna we're into that. So, shall we shall we get into our? Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. Now. Uh, it's not preliminary investigation. Whatever it is, I'm gonna I'm gonna let the nice lady. Whatever that theme of opera is. <laughs> Surveillance report. Surveillance report. That's what it is. <sighs> I'm, I'm, I was getting flashbacks to the old days, Daniel, when I couldn't remember what our different different reports were for uh, for Agents of Shield. You mean like last week when you couldn't remember preliminary something? No, I could remember it. I just couldn't say it. <laughs> I remembered it. Okay. So, yeah, this episode is different than last. Uh, there's, I think, less to it because there's more. Uh, time being spent with the different things that as they're happening, if that makes any sense. But uh, I did find yeah. in this episode, everyone has a plan. And I feel like in this episode, the theme in a lot of ways is this loss of control. As you look at almost every character who's dealing with something in this episode, they're dealing with things being taken out of their control. Um, Robin and Ruben, Robin's life because of what happens to Reuben, she has lost control. Uh, control that she had of Reuben, but also control of what she's going to do with her life next. What she does next is going to change because of something that she can't control. And you called her mean in your call. And, and there is a meanness to her at times, but I, I really get the feeling that, that it's control that she has. Um, Hogarth wants control. Wendy wants control but they're losing that control uh and you know trying to get the upper hand in in their divorce proceedings um jessica is obviously losing control of, of things that are going on around her uh because of the death of reuben in her apartment i mean she's now in a situation where she can choose plan a which is bad and plan b which is not good um Everyone is just facing situations where they are losing control. Uh, except for Kilgrave. Kilgrave is pretty much in control this episode. Um, Trish's mom. There's that control there. In fact, my note for her is that she almost seems like she is Trish's Kilgrave. Based on the way Jessica is talking about her and to her. And the way that she's now manipulating Jessica and using the situation of bringing Jessica into their house as something that, you know, will allow Trish to get good press and, and that. So I just I, I feel like that's where this this episode takes us is is watching people try to plan and have things get taken out of their control. Can I just say you may Jessica's a horrible planner. Ugh. Well, yeah, <laughs> she'll she'll her and Trisha have a conversation <laughs> later where she's like, "There's Trisha's like, there's so many ways this plan could go wrong," and her comment is, "Well, there's one way it can go right," and it's like, "Really? 
Really? You're, you're putting your stake on never tell me the odds, I guess. Well, you know, there is something to that. Yeah, there is something to that. So, oh, man. So you want to talk about that first scene? Sure, okay. go ahead. Oh, you oh. said you were creeped out about it, but this is As... Kilgrave in Jessica's apartment. Ugh. It's rough. It's scary. He's a predator. He is. He is. I mean, he's marking his territory. Um, by, you know, by peeing in her. I mean, at least he's peeing in the toilet. That's good. But um, you know, that. Hope his aim was good. Yeah, but I mean, that's that's. Even though it's he's peeing in the toilet, this is classic. I mean, he's the door is just open. He's just you know, doesn't matter. This is his now. It's mine. Um. Yeah, he's going through, and he's finding, you know, he's going through the stuff, and uh, and then Reuben comes, and that's not going to end well. I just didn't think it was going to end as bad as it did, because it ended really bad for him. Oh, yeah. so very, very bad, and um, and pretty much with no warning. Right. Well, and we don't even There's get a moment a, here, an inkling of that's going to happen. It's just that one moment he's here with banana bread and then he's gone. And and we don't know that yet, but yeah, because we we move then to Jessica who after the events of last episode, she is very drunk, um very angry, and we get some flashbacks to the Daredevil movie. At least I did when she follows Wendy into the subway and holds her over the side of the, uh, the tracks. And I'm just thinking, wow, that's Ben Affleck right there holding the hood over there. And it's been, it's been a while since I watched that for an episode that we didn't record. So things have slipped. (laughs) We didn't record that. You're right. We did not. Uh, Hmm. Maybe that should be one of the summer episodes. Or maybe not. Well, we've got a lot of stuff to cover between now and then. So, yeah. So she threatens Wendy in the subway uh, as she's serving papers. Uh, comes close to killing her. Um, definitely. I mean, there is manipulation going on. Uh, past Ben was talking about that. This is happening here. It's threats. Uh, it's again control. How do I control Wendy to get what I want from Hogarth? And it's using physical threats. And and this is not a good place to be. This is not good for Jessica. This is not good for Wendy. This is not very heroic. It doesn't seem very legal. It is absolutely not legal. I can't imagine this making any situation better. Uh, and that's... I can't imagine that, you know, it's considered legitimate. No, no. If no. she signs. I mean, she's been coerced uh, or she, she I mean, could make the case that she would have been coerced into signing. <laughs> I'm no lawyer, but Hogarth <laughs> is. Yeah. So then she doesn't come straight home. Instead, she passes out drunk in the elevator and Malcolm helps her. And this reverse is, situation. Yeah, this is nice. It's a nice moment. Malcolm again is helping her because he cares about her because she has helped him. And she, again, you have said it, that he believes she's a good person, even though she just threatened to kill someone by throwing them in front of a subway uh, Well, he wasn't train. there. He wasn't a witness. No, no, it's true. And, you know, it's convenient that she is in the elevator because she did, doesn't discover the body in her bed with his throat slit alone. She discovers it with Malcolm. Uh, now, this actually poses a couple different problems, but Malcolm is one of the problems as far as how is Jessica going to handle this situation. But Malcolm wants to help help her. Um, she actually lays down in bed next to the body. That's totally gross. Not cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is where uh, Kristen Ritter... And, you know, we haven't talked about actors much since episode two of this this coverage, but uh, this is where Kristen Ritter um, 
I think she shows off some of her acting chops with the panic where she, I, I can't fight him. I can't do this. I have to end this. And, um, that, that moment of panic, that's a, that's a brilliant moment for her. Just a really, really well done. Again, past Ben, uh, is, is hitting things spot on. Um, as much as I hate to admit it, but it's good. It's good. But this is where she comes up with her plan. Jessica's plan. She needs to go to jail. That can end this. Yeah. And end everything. She she sees this as an avenue to basically end Hogra end Kilgrave's game. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you know who else has a plan? Trish. Trish has a plan. Because she wants When she's to... not in the throes of passion. Yeah. She is with Simpson again. Um, and you know, this is, this series, this whole series is very sexual. Uh, there is just a lot of sex on the screen. It's not game of Thrones. And I'm very, very pleased that it's not game of Thrones. Um, but, and that is something that, um, personally, it does make me feel uncomfortable. And it's something that I've, I've, I have a couple friends where I've said, you know, I know you, you're not going to want to, to go into this this series and and that's one of the things it's kind of tapering off here in the middle of the series but it's it's still there anyway uh well and, and i'll be honest for a moment i thought we might have had our first nudity in a marvel program yeah, yeah. um jessica calls while they are in bed uh it turns out trish is dodging the calls because she feels bad about what happened with the van and the whole, you know, fighting against the guards and stuff. And she doesn't, didn't do very well against that. But now she has her own plan. She is going to use the information that she has. She's going to pretend that she's looking for uh, security people. And she's found out Kilgrave's new guards. And by finding out who they are, they're able to find out where they are and where is Kilgrave. That's her plan. Um, back to Jessica's plan. She needs a lawyer because she wants to get locked up in Supermax. And that's where our quote comes from. How? She's very, very specific. <laughs> it has to be Supermax because this is her plan. She's going to get him stuck in a prison where he's going to be seen because he know she knows he will come. Yeah. I mean, this is almost like, as bad as running away to China. This is not a great plan. But she's desperate. Again, loss of control. She has no control right now. Um, she has no agency right now. She has to send those pictures at 10 o'clock. Uh, he is still controlling her. It's a minor thing, but he is still controlling her even without using his powers against her. Um, yeah, but very specific what she wants to get locked up in and... <laughs> How do you get locked up there? You have to be a top shelf pervert. You have to be a horrible, horrible person who, uh, was it creates art out of victims' fingernails. Very, very specific comment there, Ben. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if Hogarth defended someone who d had done that or helped put someone away who had done that, but clearly Hogarth has some experience here. Maybe she just wrote a paper about them in college. Who knows? Um, meanwhile, Michael, uh, Michael, My Malcolm is coming up with a plan. He wants to help Jessica. And this is where Ruben's sister comes. And this is where you felt bad for her. Correct. It's true. And the thing about this whole interaction and, and maybe the whole interactions with her sister, period, because Jessica will have her own too. I mean, it's really clear how immature Reuben was. You know, his sister was going to take him to the zoo. He he writes out, I you know, JJ. He's drawing their initials with a heart around them on his on edge his sketch. Edge. Yeah. yeah. So he was definitely a very immature young man in his, you know, mid-20s. And, and she is a very controlling was, and, and domineering young lady and she very much clearly took care of him 
And she needs that. She needed to be a caregiver. And she's terrified of his loss, and she should be because he's gone. I was afraid, honestly, that the title was actually referring to Robin and Reuben. When I first saw this title and realized, um, you know, we have we have Robin and Reuben. And I, I thought that they were just a, I thought that the weirdness that they had was going to go into a much darker place. And I'm very glad it didn't. I mean, there's still you could maybe take things that way. But um, I really do feel like there is a brotherly and sisterly relationship there. It's just a very extreme and uh, not perverted, but an extreme relationship that, that is not, it's uh, not normal. It's, it's odd. It's weird. Um, but it's, it's unusual. What their family was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then from here, Jessica, we, <laughs> Jessica is basically making the rounds right now. She's saying goodbye in her way. She's taking care of business. Yeah. So first place she's going to go take care of business, that's at Luke's bar. And he's not there. Because that's code for we're not paying for him to be in every episode. It's also code for he's taking time to get away from you. I mean, he has emotionally had a huge bomb dropped on him that the woman he is currently with and has feelings for and about murdered the woman that he ever truly loved. And that's, that's the message she gets from the, you know, his, his co owner or his, it's almost like his, uh, this is his coach character from, from cheers, you know, who's, who's there to clean up the bar and, and, and that, but, um, this guy also drops some bits of wisdom. Like the only woman he ever cared about is in the ground. And he just and, said that to the person who put her in the ground. And, <laughs> If you burn a bridge, you gotta learn to fly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so her message for him is, for Luke, is tell him the right people are gonna pay for what's been done. And who are the right people? I get the impression she's not just talking about Kilgrave. She's talking about no, herself. She's definitely as well. talking about her. Yeah. Um, she feels guilt. Hey, you know who else has a plan, Daniel? Tell me. Wendy has a plan. Wendy oh, has a plan, yeah, she does. Uh, which is basically deals with blackmail. She is going to uh, demand 75% of all of Hogarth's assets in the divorce or all of it because she has some emails for where uh, Hogarth bribed a juror. But let's be fair. Someone did dangle her over a subway and dropped her. It looks painful. Let's be fair that... <laughs> Wendy could cause Hogarth to lose everything over that. Uh, uh, maybe not yes. lose all of her assets and lose all of her face, but a lot of it. I mean, she basically would get disbarred, I think, from the testimony alone of what happened. But Wendy has a plan that involves control. She is now taking control of the situation. Hogarth has been trying to take control, and that's why she set Jessica after Wendy in the first place. Again, everyone is losing control. Or trying to gain control. And I think I like it. Oh, no, that's something else. <laughs> Can I sing this episode too? No. Okay, I'm not going to sing. We that. already lost all those listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know who else has a, pl a plan? Tell me. Pam has a plan. And what's Pam's plan? She's going to pretend <laughs> that Hogarth is all right. She is going to step up, lie for Hogarth. Um, by the way, it's not a good relationship if you have to lie for someone. And she even calls that out. Yeah. Um, we get back. Okay, so now next scene is Jessica and Trish's mother. Uh, there's some good information we get here. Well, and again, we... And hints of information, too, but... A sisterly, sisterly relationship. We've seen Trish try to protect um, Jessica. Now Jessica's out there protecting Trish. And seems like she has been protecting Trish. Um, you know, she drops the line that uh, is, uh, is Trish doing drugs again? And Jessica says, she hasn't touched drugs since I dragged her away from you. And she says, you, uh, no matter what happens to me, 
you are going to stick to the agreement. Well, and I took that somewhat as being a straining order. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, at this point in time, from what we have been given, what's on the screen, and we don't spoil, we don't go beyond the episode we're talking about. Um, at this point in time, we don't know what this means. Uh, we're hoping we're going to find out more about what this means, and I'm sure um, it's no spoiler to say we do find out more about what this means. But she says you're going to stick to the agreement, and, and you, you know, she calls her a pimp. You know, you, you weren't a mother, you weren't a manager, you were a, a pimp. And that implies some heavy things, no matter if it's metaphorical or especially if it's, if it's literal. Um, you know, and, and she says, well, this is some thanks I get for bringing you in. You know, and, and Jessica, I love this line. Uh, and you don't get credit for doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. And I would say to Jessica, Hey, Jessica, you don't get credit for doing the wrong thing for the right reasons either. But, um, that's a lesson she'll learn soon enough. Uh, this is an interesting situation though, where we see that she is representing, um, or, or doing, uh, tryouts rather for young talent. And, trying i don't know she's trying to find the next trish or patsy walker as it would be or but you gotta figure that she's at least making bank on the fact that she found patsy her own daughter and managed her career and she knows childhood talent yeah the poster is still on the wall and the poster is of patsy walker as a child not as she is now um patsy trish has her radio show it seems like because of what she can do and has done for herself not for what her mother has done um but when we get to the end and we see trish interact or not trish trish's mother interact with jessica uh that's where i even get the more the feeling of she is a manipulative woman who is a she's a manipulating manipulator who manipulates she is trish's killgrave she does it without powers the power she has over trish is just you know biological i I gave birth to you. You are now my daughter in my home. Um, but we don't know the relationship yet and, and how it works. So we'll see that. But yeah, Trish's mom, there she is. Not a nice person. No, and I didn't think we could actually see her. Uh, I think it's interesting that we came here and did this. Uh, when they dropped. Was she Chekhov's mom? She's been mentioned enough yeah, times. It's true. She was mentioned. And so it's not unusual. Uh, it's not completely out of the blue, but you know who else has a plan, Daniel? Tell me, tell me. Simpson has a plan, and you know what Simpson's oh, plan yeah, is? Oh yeah, he does. His plan is to not follow Trish's plan. His plan is to lie to Trish about, you know, she she tells him, "Tell me as soon as you have eyes on him." She tells oh, him yeah. this as he has eyes that. on on Kilgrave. And he does not say anything. Why? Because he is going to go rogue. How is that going oh, to look? Well, we'll find out how it looks. But in this situation right now, uh, all we know is he is he is thinking something that he knows better than what Jessica is doing. Although they don't know exactly what's going on there. Or you know, he knows better than what Trish is doing as well. Well, he's already called out that Jessica has bungled the Kilgrave situation. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he absolutely blames does not, not Trish agree. for the van incident. He blames Jessica. Yeah. And Trish doesn't let him blame Jessica. Or doesn't want him to blame Jessica. Sisters. So, hey, let's go back to Malcolm's plan. Because you know what Malcolm's plan involves? Bringing Trish into the plan. Um, shows Trish Ruben's body. Don't Tells scream, her, don't scream. You, you can't scream. I'm not going to scream. Yeah. We all knew she was going to scream. We all, as soon as he said you can't scream, we knew exactly what she was going to do. But Yeah, I mean, while Jessica's continuing her plan, she has an hour left of freedom, and what is she going to do with that hour of freedom that she has left? She's going to rewatch some old episodes of Daredevil. And climb to the top of the bridge where she can let the wind blow on her face, and she can take in the view, and you know, she does not want to say goodbye. She does not like saying goodbye, but this is this is goodbye. And 
Goodbye, New York. And and I'm not going to sing the Muppets Take Manhattan Goodbye song because that's what this scene makes me think of. But I'm not going to sing it. I promise you. Uh, so then she goes back to her apartment. And this is where plans aren't really working out. <laughs> Trish is there when Jessica comes to turn herself in. Trish reveals her plan that she has found Kilgrave. Jessica reveals her plan that she says, I have to pay. She can't pay now because the crime scene has been cleaned up. Uh, so her plan has just gone to pot. Um, Malcolm, in the meantime, is dumping the body in the river. Simpson is watching the house. Everyone's plans. People are losing control of their plans. Except for Simpson. Simpson's the only one right now who seems to be in control. So Jessica needs something to go into her plan, a body. And Malcolm's plan does not work as Jessica jumps into the river. And now I'm having flashbacks again, Dan. Do you want to? You don't have flashbacks too. Tell me. Seinfeld. <laughs> I, I'm remembering that episode of Seinfeld where Kramer starts swimming in the river. When he comes up, he just stinks so bad. And that's all I can think of is that Jessica is going to come out either with some infection or a really bad stink. It is the river. <laughs> so she walks into the police station. Are you saying that that river's a hot mess of chemicals and drugs and other things? I am not saying that. But uh, Jessica walks into the police station with a bag. And this is just weird. This is just awful. There's a head in the bag. It's Ruben's head. Daniel... Jessica is going into some places right now. Uh, how did she take the head off? Did she use a car door? I, I think that's the big question. She used her hands. She, yeah, this is gross. This is really gross. But she needs to be put yeah. away, and she needs to be one of those criminals who would end up in Supermax. She does what needs to be done. Yeah. So she's talking to Clemens. Is that the guy's name? Yeah, Clemens, the, the police officer. And she is asking to be put away. And Clemens smells a rat. Or smells Jessica's gross clothes and hair from being in that river. And Jessica admits to killing not just this one, but to killing Riva again. But this is not going to end well. The plan is not going to work. Why? Kilgrave. And here we have an incredible, incredible scene. And I'm watching this scene and I'm thinking to myself, I'm feeling a little tense. Is my buddy Daniel feeling a little tense? I'm always tense, buddy. <laughs> That's my secret. Yeah. Uh, oh, he has control over everyone in the room. Guns are drawn. They can't, you know, Jessica can't kill him because she's not sure what he'll do to them. Um, there's a long conversation about how he feels about her and uh, that he, he tells her he loves her. He tells her he's the only one who matches her. Um, is this love? <laughs> I, I'm not going to sing the song. But, um, is, it, is it love? Um, I mean, there's feelings there. We, we don't need to be paying Disney. No. There's feelings there, though, that he has. It's just this is he's acting out on those feelings in completely the wrong way. Um, he's got a really perverted sense of what love is. Yeah. Jessica, I'll even call it out. You know, you're, you're ruining my life. But I think we're now beginning to see he why why the why the home purchase had to be without manipulation. He wants Jessica. Because, you know, they're matches, and he loves her, but he also wants to be chosen. Yes. I mean, this is a man whose entire life, he controls everyone, and he's looking for someone to choose him. Yeah. He, he, wants, uh, he wants someone in his life that is a little bit of a wild card but that is going to be able to say, you know, we're together 
not because you're telling me we're together. And and he's decided the person he wants to do that is someone who's the very very best and who is day. a perfect match. They they are a perfect match when you consider his yeah, powers. Too bad raped her, but yeah, uh, but I mean, if you're if you're looking at, you know, what does she have as far as powers go? It's a pure physical power that she has. Uh, you look at what power he has. It's a pure mental power that he has. Um, you know, the, that's a good team up right there uh, it, with different characters, with different backgrounds. That, that's a good team up right there. But, you know, in this situation, you know, he can't understand why someone would, would not want to be around him. He can't understand why Jessica would consider what he has done with her is wrong. And what he has done to her is wrong. And again, that's uh, that's a thing that is a reality. It is a reality. And, and it's not just in this kind of manipulation and, and this kind of thing where he has uh, raped her but doesn't see it as a problem. Although that is something that is a, a reality of our world where you have people who believe that this is my right, that I can have this, I should be able to take this from this woman. Um, and it, I if sh- I'm nice to you, surely I can have my way with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- this is a, how world is this harming you? you know, this is a worldview that some people do hold. And, uh, yeah, they're generally criminals. Uh, well, and again, this is something I said last episode. Yeah. I hate that. That's even something that I can eat that, that when I say it, there's, there's truth to it. Uh, that should not be something in this world. I, I look at my three daughters and think to myself, I, I hate that I'm raising my daughters in a world that there are men who believe that they have the right to take what they want because they've given a little bit, you know, I paid for dinner. I mean, for in the, the transaction, yeah, in the extreme, you know, I, I paid for dinner, but it goes even further than that into, I have invested in this relationship for, for a year you know, and you still haven't given me what I want. And so, you know, whether it's rape or manipulation, um, and and that's him. I I believe that's him. What's wrong with what I have done? When I tell someone to do something that hurts them, it doesn't matter because, and this is a, this is sociopathic uh, mindset where they don't understand the feelings of others and cannot, uh, cannot empathize with the feelings of others. And um, again, kudos to the, the writers and, and kudos to the performers here giving us this um, this really unusual for live action superhero stuff uh, uh, setup. He leaves... Now, is this our biggest stretch of David Tennant so far? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, he's good. Yeah. Oh, man. Now, have you watched Broadchurch at all? Nope. Okay, uh, he's he's really good in that. Now it's a different character maybe, even there maybe, than he is here. But maybe I'll pick up an episode and then call it in next week. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Because I call it everything that I watch. Uh, he leaves with the evidence, um, and leaves them, the, the police officers, with the idea that everything that has just happened is a joke. So Jessica, fortunately for the story for us, is off the hook. Her plan has not worked. She is not going to be convicted of murder of a person in her own apartment and be connected at least, even if they find out she's not the murderer, be connected in, in, to a third death in her, uh, in her uh, circle of influence. You know, it is a, I can see how it can be frustrating, though, just in the sense that we've set up the scenario. We've set up this problem. And then in the end, it goes back, you know, I reference heroes a lot. We've heroed this. We Kilgrave has the reset button. Yeah, but in this situation, uh, I'm far more likely to feel good about the reset button. The reset button is him controlling Jessica, him controlling her destiny, her Maybe choice. Good about that. Yeah. Her choice was to go to jail and have a plan to draw him out and, you know, or protect herself behind these these walls and barriers. Uh, that was her plan. He has now destroyed her plan. And so I don't feel like a reset has been hit 
Although you are absolutely correct. It's a reset on the story. You are absolutely correct that the reset of her turning herself in, it never happened. Uh, but unlike a Star Trek Voyager time travel story, which always end Ugh, in the timeline Trek. being reset and they don't even know that it happened. This is an action that pushes characters, uh, pushes Jessica's character anyway, uh, to act. Now, we'll see other repercussions later on, but yeah. So the one disturbing thing here that I, I kind of want to mention is that laughter you know, laughter for us sometimes is a release after something horrible has happened. And here something horrible has happened. And then the, the release for us as a viewer doesn't happen. In fact, what we see on the screen is what normally for us, we'd want some release, but that's part of the horror. And, and again, we haven't talked about this much, but this is a horror story. This is, you know, there's a private investigation side of things that we've been getting, but Man, I hate scary things. You do, and this is a horror story. And this is, uh, you know, looking at all the different things that Marvel gives us in these different genres, this is absolutely one of those different genres. So She gets home, and she's looking, what has Kilgrave left her? And, and she finds her diary. He has left for her her diary. And inside the diary is angsty, twisted teen girl stuff. That I have seen those drawings in journals that have been turned into me uh, as an English teacher with, with high school students. And I've seen those drawings on tests that also have been turned into me. Um, I, I should reiterate, well, I have not seen these in journals of those high school kids as a teacher. They were journals that were meant to be turned into me, not that I was like, being creepy and looking. A creeper. I was not being creepy pants. You weren't a creeper, Ben? I was not a creeper. Again, you know, you tell me the comics don't mean anything, but I will argue they do set precedents. And, you know, in AKA Jessica Jones, it is established that she has an artistic side as a child. And she was interested in art. And so when I, having read AKA Jessica Jones and now going back and seeing this, it very much fits within the character. And I will trust you on that. I have not read it yet. And at this point, now that the series is done, I don't plan to read it. Um, although, you know what I did just dig out to read, Daniel? Oh, tell me, Ben. Essential Punisher Volume 1. I remembered really? I had that, and I thought, oh, I'm going to pull that out, read all those early Punisher stories, get myself pumped up for some Punisher. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody truly gets pumped up for Punisher. Well, Punisher gets pumped up for Punisher because he's the Punisher. And you know how he takes care of problems? With, with his gun. gun. Yeah. We already have somebody that does that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think the Punisher is completely unneeded. Yeah, we'll find out. It may be unneeded, but it still might be a, a welcome addition. We'll find out. After finding her diary, she knows what she has to do. She has a new plan. And that new plan is to go to Kilgrave. And before she can do that, she is confronted by Robin. And there's some awkward, awkward moments there. The, the line about how uh, Reuben is sensitive about his neck. He likes giraffes because they have long, long necks, but he's sensitive about his, his neck when that's how he died was by slicing Ugh. open his own neck. Um, again, this is horror humor, gallows humor. Um, but, you know, we get this almost Jessica reaches out to try and comfort Robin, puts her hand on Robin's shoulder. And it's, puts it's your really hand awkward. Hey, if I'm not allowed to sing. Well, I don't do it much. I remember in college, one of the first times I had, uh, it was a friend, not a, not a girlfriend, but it was a girl who was a friend and we were on a choir tour and she was really that seems upset. very specific, man. She, well, listen, she was really upset. And so she's sitting next to me on the choir bus. Are you a top shelf pervert? She was sitting next to me on the bus and she's crying because she's upset that she missed her family or her boyfriend or something. And I just remember thinking, I need to do something. I need to comfort her. And... 
I put my hand on her shoulder. It was just like, it's, it's okay. And I kind of tapped her shoulder. It was almost as awkward, almost as stiff. And uh, Then you punched her? I did you punched not. her right in the face. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, it was I an was, accident. I'm just saying watching Jessica reminded me of that situation where I where was. Where you punched that girl on the butt. Where I had no time. idea how to comfort someone, especially someone of the opposite gender, when I was one of those geeky nerd people in high school. And I'm, I'm not. You don't care. You're not even. No, I'm just thinking about the girl you punched. Very awkward. That seems like a romantic comedy right there. Okay. I, for the record, people who are listening, Daniel is now still making up lies about, about me. I've never lied in my entire life. You man, are a lying liar a who lies about... I may have misunderstood. I, there is nothing I have ever told... We're, we're moving on. So she does go home. Did you get, at least give her eyes? She goes home and has a flashback to Trish's mother... And Trish kind of moving her out of her, her family's house. And we don't know the situation that has brought them to this point. We just know that they are bringing her into their home. And she says, what about my journal? This is where we start understanding how does she know that Kilgrave is there? Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because she never got a journal out of the, the house. And the house has then, then moved into other hands since then. Uh, and so, but this is I where, think when you talk about the important things about this scene, Ben. What is? It looked like Trisha's hair was blonde, not red. Yeah, but is it a Hannah Montana kind of thing where when she's Patsy Walker on the show, she's wearing a red wig maybe? This right now, Ben, as a Disney fan, I don't know I'm allowed to talk about Hannah Montana anymore. Well, I'm just saying... I think we've turned our back. Wigs can be worn. The best of both worlds. That's all I'm going to say. Wigs can be worn. Um, And so, and this is where we really get the impression that Trisha's mom is indeed a Kilgrave type character because she's having this flashback standing, uh, of her standing in the driveway with Trisha's mom and who comes out into the driveway to take the place of the flashback. It's Kilgrave himself. And just, again, brilliant storytelling here. And they wordlessly go inside while Simpson watches. So, yeah, I'm not sure what else we really want to talk about with these characters. Um, I think that all my notes we actually covered as we were, were kind of walking through the plot here. But I don't know if you have anything else. Hmm, let me think through. Hmm. Hmm. Well, again, this is a much more mature show than we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, we have a decapitated head floating around at some point. We've got heroes hiding bodies. We've got adult physical situations and relationships. Again, I, I was waiting for us to see our first nudity here. Which I don't know how they did that, other than some remarkable camera work and airbrushing to keep us from seeing nudity. And quick editing. I mean, the editing happens. They cut away at that last possible moment. And they're clearly in this situation, they are trying to excite, I think, and, and, and titillate with, with, with the near nudity. You said titillate. <laughs> Daniel. As you know, Ben, I am a seven-year-old boy on the inside. And you made fun of me, so. <laughs> uh, I think that's what seven-year-olds do. We po- we poke fun at other people. <sighs> okay. Fair it enough. Makes us feel better. Fair enough. Makes you feel bigger to put other people down, right? Yeah, exactly. Again, I don't think Jessica's a very good planner. The the whole scene in the the police station, um, tense. David Tennant is fantastic. And we finally get to learn a bunch about this big bag boogeyman that we've been dealing with, including the fact that he's in love. And really, he's looking for someone to choo-choo choose him. All right. Well, I think we should move on then to our uh, witness statements, the listener feedback segment. So I'm going to play the sounder right about now. 
Witness statements. Hey, Daniel. Guess what? Yo. We have one short email. What? Yeah. Yep. You ready? Okay, because I was going to ask you why you're even trying, but now I'm excited. <laughs> it's not that... Again, the segment is here. It's for the, the listener to who wants to write in, and this is a listener who wanted to write in. And he says, subject, Jessica Jones, no particular episode. And here's the, the message. Agents, really enjoying the podcast. I have to give Jessica Jones, the series, a nod for showing us some negative consequences for failing to stop Kilgrave when given the choice. In the end, Jessica chose not to kill Kilgrave at her first opportunity, and that cost at least half a dozen lives. And the series addresses that fairly directly. Keep up the good work, Mr. E. And, yeah, so, I mean, that's that whole Batman... What If Batman doesn't kill Joker, how many more victims are there going to be? And Superman and Lex Luthor and, and these situations where they have made a moral choice not to kill the villain. Um, it's also a storytelling choice where if they kill the villain, uh, they either have to keep bringing the villain back from the dead... Or they're done with that villain. And and Jessica continues to struggle with this. I mean, Simpson has made it clear in the past. Do Just it. put a bullet in his head. Yeah. We can take he'll care of this problem with my gun. Yeah, he'll give up hope to save everyone else. And for Jessica, it's, you know, save Kilgrave, save hope. And yeah... It's a tough situation. I mean, you're getting now into to questions of capital punishment. You're getting into questions of vengeance and and that. Uh, and there's, again, tough questions. Now, those things do get sometimes addressed in comics, but when they get addressed in comics, usually uh, it kind of ends up for the worse because once you expose that kind of a thing in a story, you can't put the genie back in the bottle. So once you have Batman, uh, you know, wrestling with this question he either has to continue wrestling with it until he comes to an answer and then act on that answer or the story is just you know forgotten and 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 never never come back to again but in in this story it is there and it is there constantly uh that's one of the big questions that she has what am i supposed to do about this terrible evil so I, I want to thank Agent uh, Mr. E for for writing in and and surprising Daniel and legitimizing my retaining this segment in the episode. But now it's time for us to move into our final segment, and that final segment is our final report. Final report. All right, Daniel, so we are going to rate this episode one to five. How many crazy pants do you give this episode? Well, Ben, I'm going to shock the world. I don't think you are, but go for it. Do something unusual. I I really did find uh, this uh, to be a good episode. I enjoyed David Tennant. I was a little minorly frustrated with the reset button, but also I was shocked and titillated by the death of Ruben. In the end, I think it's best to give this episode four crazy pants. And I look at this episode and I feel like we are maintaining a solid, solid level of quality. And I'm going to give this episode a good, solid, solid four crazy pants out of five. So I think that that brings us to an end of this episode and I want to thank everyone who is listening for listening and I want to thank you as you are cuddled up on your love seat getting ready to have a picnic in your living room I do not know where that word picture came from but if that is you thank you for listening and your special someone thank them for allowing you to listen while you're supposed to be picnicking on your floor in front of the fire okay and beyond that, I just want to say I would love to hear from you about our thoughts, but I'd also love to hear your thoughts on Jessica Jones in general and uh, if you have been watching or have not been watching. So go to welcome to level7.com. There's plenty of ways 
that you can contact contact us through voice or through text. With that all said, Daniel, do you have any words of wisdom? Any thoughts? Any Well, Ben, between today, your call-in, your ending of the last episode, I feel like you've been very, very agreeable, even to the point that you were a copycat today by sharing the same rating that I had for this episode. And as I think about that, Ben, all I can really, really say to you is you don't get credit for doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 177-55-LEVEL-7. You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level 7 pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is I Knew a Guy and On the Ground by Kevin McLeod at IncomTech.com, licensed under the Creative Commons license. I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control and I think I like it. I want you.